Working Class is a TV show that targets the 18 to 35 age demographic. It explores different trades and non-traditional career paths that our schools just quite frankly refuse to teach anymore. We will spend a day with a tradesperson. We'll um, work with them. We'll learn their trade. We'll learn their story. And the hope is that we'll expose the viewer to another career path, something that excites them or instills some kind of passion that, that they don't have to follow the same old that everybody's putting out there. The network is called Jewel TV, J-U-L-TV. It's a streaming station. So you can find it either, you know, on an app or on like your Roku and your Amazon Fires and all of that stuff. Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now your host, Keith Williams. Welcome to the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 103. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we feature professionals in the skill trades, business owners, educators, influencers, advocates for the skill trades, giving real world advice. I have three requests for you. If you like the podcast and you enjoyed it and brought you some value, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, write a review, share it, one thing you enjoyed on the podcast, and maybe share it with a friend. Your support means the world to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for tuning in. My guest is a construction executive, skills trades advocate, author, and TV show host. Please welcome Nick Kasich to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Nick, how are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on board here. My pleasure, Nick. I appreciate having you on. I'm excited we are able to do this this evening. Nick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Where you grew up? What do you do? I grew up in the Midwest on a small town farm, you know, 20, 30 miles from the nearest paved road. I went to trade school for heating and air conditioning, worked in the trades, I worked my way up to uh, large-scale commercial construction management. I'm currently director of construction for Hermanson, which is one of the largest uh, mechanical contractors in the Pacific Northwest. And after spending about 30 years in the business, I've grown passionate about the struggle of finding qualified tradespeople to work in our industry. It's an everyday battle for me. So as a result, I work really hard to promote the trades and vocational training and uh, try to hit as many platforms as I can. Excellent. Hey, Nick, I got to ask you, TV show host for a TV show called The Working Class. How, what's that show about? So Working Class is a TV show that targets the 18 to 35 age demographic. It explores different trades and non-traditional career paths that our schools just quite frankly refuse to teach anymore. We will spend a day with a tradesperson. We'll um, work with them. We'll learn their trade. We'll learn their story. And the hope is that we'll expose the viewer to another career path, something that excites them or instills uh, some kind of passion that, that they don't have to follow the same old that everybody's putting out there. As this show on on a weekly basis, how can people find out about it? It's on uh, the network is called Jewel TV, J-U-L-TV. It's a streaming station. So you can find it either, you know, on an app or on like your Roku and your Amazon Fires and all of that stuff. So the station has they have live programming all the time. And then they you can also stream the episodes directly when you want them. Excellent. Can you tell me how did you get involved in this? 
So I was approached by the network to uh, to help consult and help produce on another show called The Money Machine. It's a similar concept show. And through the process, the network suggested that maybe I should be doing my own show. And uh, so we kind of went down that road of development and uh, kind of spitballing and came out the other end with a show concept and Working Class was born. Excellent. Excellent. I also think that the fact that you're online, you know, on apps and on streaming, that really is a great place for your target audience because that's, you know, most young people are not really, they've cut the cable, you know, they usually watch. So that's actually, I think that was a very smart move for you to, to uh, go on that format. Well, and the other, the other thing that's really cool about it is the episodes are about 30 minutes, give or take, you know, uh, and episodes 20 to 40 minutes. And I tell educators that uh, they can use this in their classroom if they want to stream an episode. It's about the same time period as a class, and they can expose these kids to something different. We do the, the traditional trades. I mean, when you think of trades, you think of plumber, electrician, carpenter, all that normal stuff. But we also try to do things that are non-traditional. We did an episode on a distiller. We did one on a glass blower. We did an episode on a street rod builder. You know, those are all trades, but you just, you don't really think about them, you know, they're because they're all kind of different. So we're trying to teach them that there's more to it than, you know, trades don't just mean be a plumber. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Also, I think by them seeing it, because most people are visual. If they can see it, they can understand, okay, here, here's what it's like to do this job. And I feel like those jobs are so niche that you just mentioned that somebody is going to appeal to somebody or it's not. That's kind of my belief. You know, that's not a regular job that you would, like you said, that's not like the typical plumbing or electrical job. So I would imagine yeah. that it would appeal to some folks. And the other cool thing is, is most people that got into those kind of trades, they took a really interesting path to get there. You know, nobody, nobody's five years old sitting at home going, I'm going to be a whiskey distiller. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's a path that you wouldn't expect. So as these kids, and I say kids, but because they're all kids to me, but as these young people sit there graduating from high school, maybe even starting college, not having a clue what they want to do, thinking that, well, I have to choose one of these paths and with the end in mind, the truth is just choose a path follow a passion. If it doesn't work, change it. If that doesn't work, change it again. Eventually, you're going to get to where you want to be. You're going to get to where you're happy. It's the when you follow this pre-described path that isn't really who you are that tends to be miserable and, quite frankly, end in failure. Sure. I also think that the beauty with the trades is that some of those skill sets, I feel, are transferable, and it's not a high investment if you don't like it, it's not like you've spent thousands of dollars on tuition. So, you know, it's, and you've gotten paid. A lot of trades pay you as an apprentice. So you're getting paid to explore. Absolutely. It and, and here's the other cool thing. Let's say you decide you want to go be a plumber and you're three years in and you just don't like it. You don't want to do it. Or you find that you want to go a different path then go that other path. You still have that ability. You still have that fallback. You still have that skill that will help you because plumbers are expensive. If you got to hire a plumber, you can do that work yourself. So it's always a benefit down the road. And if something does happen where you, you know, you lose your job or whatever, you've got a fallback. One of the companies I work for, one of the largest uh, contractors in the nation, the president started out as a plumber. 
he was a plumber and then he went on to school to be an accountant, got a CPA and, you know, went down a different path. But but his path out of the gate was plumbing. And he decided, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to do something different. But he always had that. And it allowed him to stay in the construction business just as a different person, as a, as a president, as a, at a different level. Mm-hmm. You know what else I'll tell you that I've noticed too? I, I've interviewed um, people in the skilled trades who love teaching. So now they're going back and becoming instructors in the trade schools. So as some people get older, as you know, some skill trades, you know, it might be tough to be a plumber as you get older and you age. Now you can do jobs where you're still relevant, but you're not actually doing the plumbing. You're maybe teaching young people. Maybe you're a, a consultant, but your career can evolve and go in so many different paths through the skill trades that I, I think a lot of people miss that and don't understand that that is a great opportunity for them down the road as they as their career progresses. Absolutely. Too many people think that they have to choose a career and then that's it. That's what they're going to be for the rest of their life. You could be 10 different things and that's okay. But society society puts us in this little pathway and says, well, you're going to be this and that's all you can be or or you failed at it. Well, no, maybe I just got bored at it or I outgrew it or my interests have changed. And that's okay, in my opinion. Agree, 100%. 100%. You're also an author. And can you tell us about your uh, book, Change of Color, and what it's about? So the name of that book is, At What Point Did This Country Change the Color of Its Collar, which is a really long, drawn-out title, but it, it speaks to what it's about. And it's actually, it's my second book. And what we do is we attempt to bring the awareness to the skill trades and the trades gap. And, and we kind of look at the reasons behind it, you know, kind of where it all started, where the trades started, how, you know, how the economy and the country and, and everything started out and what was considered normal. And then somewhere along the way, it changed. You know, this country was built on craftsmen and trades and skills. Everybody that came over here had a trade or learned a trade. You know, nobody came over here as a uh, corporate executive. You know, they all they all did something. And, and a lot of them, like our founding fathers, had two or three trades along the way. You know, but we speak in there of Paul Revere. Everybody knows the story of Paul Revere, but nobody knows that he was a silversmith. And, and that he actually he had a different job than just what we are taught. So, um, you know, we kind of explore that and we explore the fact that it's OK to be in the trades, that you don't have to go to college. You don't have to be what, you know, put in this box that they they put us in. So uh, it's a really interesting kind of walk down that. And then um, later this year. We're actually going to be publishing my third book, actually called Working Class. And it kind of takes the same concept, but then weaves in what we're doing in the show and and some real people stuff. So it'll be really interesting. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I'll have to definitely check that out. So you're saying that book will come out towards the end of this year then? Yeah, our goal is to have it published by the end of the year. Excellent, excellent. Hey, you know, you're a leader in the skill trades. You're one of the leaders what do you think that leaders like yourself can do to help close the skills gap and get more young people into the trades? You know, the, honestly, it's as simple as we all need to keep talking about vocational schools, unions, high schools, community leaders. We got to be, you know, it starts with awareness and understanding. There's too many people that don't understand what the issue is. But deeper than that, we need to be as parents in our communities, we need to demand that our schools bring back vocational training. We need to stop brainwashing our kids that they have to go to college, that if they don't go to college, they're a failure. Because 
quite frankly, college isn't for everyone. That's true. You know, we've convinced an entire generation that the only path to this, to success is a college degree in a field that has no jobs, low pay, and lifelong crushing debt. I mean, it's absolute insanity. And we, we've got to start saying that out loud. And hopefully people will listen. Yeah. I also wonder if just educating the parents on letting them see the numbers, because the parents, I believe, are also big influencers on on their children's decisions. And I think everybody can understand numbers. And if we could keep, you know, everybody knows that a lawyer or a doctor is paid well. Everybody, there's a perception, right? But people also don't factor in the cost of that education. But in everybody's head, they hear lawyer, doctor, they think rich. It's just something that's ingrained in our heads. We have to start changing that narrative where they think plumber, electrician, you know, paid well, like compensated very well. And I think until people start understanding that, like like I said, people, I believe people understand numbers, then I think that there'll be a little bit more resistance from parents. So I think it's a question, definitely talking about it, but I think just educating people on, all right, here's what you're going to earn. And yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you think about it, the, the kids, the young people, the generations, is it's essentially you're talking millennials and, and Gen Zs. Yes. Those are kids of Generation X. Those are kids of my generation, basically. Those are my kids. And we were taught. So that would have been, you know, late 80s, you know, high school in the 80s kind of time frame. We were yes. all taught to go to college. It was all about, uh, you know, Gordon Gecko and, and Wall Street and, yes. and Miami Vice and everything was glamorous and you had to go to college and make these big salaries and have these big houses and big cars and all of this stuff. And we just, we brainwashed our own kids into this. We created this problem. And now we're living it and trying to figure out how to get them out of it. I mean, if you go talk to some of these people uh, in that age group, they're not as interested in the big house and the big payments and the loans and all of that. They're more interested in life experience and entrepreneurialism and things like that, which is awesome. They just don't. We didn't do a good job laying out the path of how to get there. So they're a little bit lost. So they went to college and said, okay, you said if I went to college, I'd get this great job. But here I am making coffee at Starbucks. Where's this job you promised me? And by the way, I've got this crushing debt. You know, yep. it's, it's, we've done a disservice and we got to figure out how to help them. Yeah. Another thing I was kind of curious about in construction, women represent 6% in construction, followed by African-Americans who represent 10%. Hispanics represent 24.5%. How do we attract underrepresented groups to construction and to careers in the skill trades? Just what you said. We got to stop convincing everybody of the stereotypes and the preconceived notion that it's low pay, hard work, second class citizen work. We need to talk about the pride that comes from craftsmanship and the and building something beautiful and, and the pride that comes from just creating something that will outlast you. Sure. I believe the younger generations, the women, the minorities, they're, you know, they're all looking for something different. They're looking for direction. And to what I just said, they're not as focused on on the money and the in the status. They're looking more towards something that is a life experience, something that's more fulfilling. But society is teaching them something different. You know, when it comes to women and minorities, society kind of puts them in a lane and says, oh, you guys have to do this because that's what 
you know, what we say is is acceptable behavior and, and kind of where you fit in the community. And it's just it's just not true. And uh, it's really hard when everything in the world is telling these young kids, you've got to be this and do this and listen to this music and, and wear these clothes and drive this kind of car and all of this kind of stuff. When the reality is, hey, maybe their interests are somewhere else, but how do they break out of that when everybody else is following what they're being told to do? You know? Yes. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like uh, stereotyping and, and putting people in a corner. No, I get that. That makes sense. I understand. I, I makes perfect sense to me. One of the things you that you're involved in, you're on a board of directors for National Association of Construction Professionals. Why should people new to construction or experience invest in becoming a member in professional associations? Well, I'll speak directly to the NACP. There's two real good reasons to be a part of that group. One is it is the only group out there, construction-related group, that provides a platform that is everyone. So most of these construction groups, it's either like the subcontractors or engineers or general contract, you know, the AGC, the Associated General Contractor. It's all these segmented groups where they all get together and they talk about their issues. Well, the NACP is everybody. It could be a CEO, an engineer, a tradesperson, accountant, all those people in the same room. And they get to talk about the problems of construction that affect the entire business, the entire industry as a whole, not just one little piece of it. So that's a really cool, different approach of, of talking about it and solving problems. The other thing is they have a educational series. They have an advanced and a basic construction certification program. And it's for seasoned professionals looking to, you know, enhance what they already have. Mm -hmm. It's for these mid-career professionals looking to make a move. So like, say you got a tradesperson, you got that plumber that's been, he knows construction. He's been in the business. He's 50 years old and his body just can't take it anymore. So he wants to move to the office. He wants to move into project management, but he doesn't really have a credential. This will help give him what is the piece that he's missing? You know, he's, he's got 90% of it by being in the field. It's that last little bit that this program will give him. And then the last group is the, uh, the transitioning military professionals that are moving into the private sector. It's kind of the bridge. It bridges that military life to private life in a career standpoint and allows that because it's different. It operates different. It works different. It allows them to uh, kind of make that transition, have some real world credentials and bridge those gaps. That makes sense. I've always felt that joining professional associations is a worthy investment just because of the relationships you're going to build. And I'm a firm believer that most opportunities come from the relationships you build. Because when people are making a hiring decision, there's always a risk. When people are moving you into a leadership position, there's a risk. And the better the relationship they have with you, the easier it is to hire you, the easier it is to promote you. And I think being part of these groups, one, it shows that you're committed to your career. Because like you said, as people get older, that plumber who's 50, who wants to now go into project management, needs that continuous education. I just, that's another thing too that I think we're not talking about enough is in the skill trades, you do have to keep your skill sets up as you want to advance your career. So it's good to see that there's resources that support that. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. What message do you want to deliver about construction and skill trades to parents who are skeptical 
about their kids taking the non-college path. Like, you know, that parent who's saying, you know, who's just so dead set uh, on college as being the only option, what would you tell them? I mean, honestly, how many retail workers, baristas, fast food employees, unemployed, underemployed college graduates do we have to churn out before we listen to what the data is telling us? A career in the pay, in the trades will pay for your education. It'll take half as long to complete. It provides a path for retirement. And you have a higher starting pay. We just have to stop following the masses and following the, the information, the misinformation that's out there that, that really only serves the college and university industry, if you think about it. And we got to encourage our kids to, to forge their own path and follow their dreams, do something that they want to do. It's, you know, and if it pays less or more, who cares? It's all about doing something that makes you happy at the end of the day. And that's just, we just got to get people on board with that. I agree. I agree. And again, you know, the parents are such big influencers that I think the fact that you're, once you start mentioning the income and the lack of opportunities, if they don't properly plan out that college path, I think that's enough for parents to really start thinking about, you know, the trades as, as an option and just learning that there are so many different career paths in the trades. You know, I, I like your message. It definitely resonates. You know, you know what the real eye opener was? It was the pandemic. What jobs, what they call them, the, the required, the essential jobs. Yes. The essential jobs were trades, every one of them. There wasn't a trade that wasn't essential. It was the jobs that were these mid-level management college degree type jobs that, you know, I don't want to say weren't important because they're important jobs, but, you know, construction never stopped. Auto mechanics never stopped. Yep. You know, those farmers never stopped. Those kinds of trades and distillers certainly never stopped. Think about what's essential. You know, it's like I always used to tell my kids when they were growing up, you know, I never told my kids they had to go to college. It was their choice. I supported whatever, whichever direction they wanted to go. But I told them, I says, one thing you need to think about when you choose a career is let's say that the economy collapses tomorrow. Let's say that there's like the war in Ukraine or, or whatever. The stock market collapses. You lose your job. You lose your savings. Everything is gone. Do you have a skill that is marketable? Do you have a skill that will help you survive? Do you have a skill that will create you the ability to barter? for yes. something else. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's what I always thought is, you know, I always I can do anything I want to do, but I better have a valuable skill just in case. Yeah. I used to hear back in the day jobs being recession proof was the term that I used to hear, meaning that can it survive through tough times? So it makes perfect sense to me. And like you said, the pandemic, you know, I, I can remember uh, during the pandemic getting a plumber was so hard because people were in their homes and they were wearing out their plumbing. So I know the plumbers were getting, if you're stuck at home and you don't have working plumbing, that's a big problem. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not, if you're calling a plumber, that's not something you're like, well, you know, let me think about, you know, they can come in a, a week or a month. You want them there today. <laughs> and I tell people, one of my first jobs I ever had was a plumber. And uh, I worked as a plumber and the guy that I worked for, he cleaned sewers. Now, he did a lot of other things, but one of the services he provided was cleaning sewers. And it was 
terrible work, as you can imagine. And I asked him one day, I says, why do we do this? We have so much other work. Why do we do this? He said, because this is a service that you don't think about. And if you have sewage backed up in your basement, you will pay literally anything to make it go away. Yes. <laughs> so I said, okay, that makes sense. You provide a service that no one else will provide. You can charge whatever you want. Yeah. I don't imagine he has a lot of competition. Not a lot of people want to do that job. Oh, no, there's not. And, and you know, it pays well. Go, you know, you have somebody come out and do that. It's very expensive. Yeah. For good reason. And, and that's, something, that's something people are not going to compromise on or are not going to put off. They're, that's something they're going to do. Regardless, uh, Mike Rowe, what did Mike Rowe say? Dirty jobs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, you know, my skill trades job platform, since, you know, I know that you are, you know, you, I know you see a value in video. I'm curious, you know, Skill Stadium has a skill trade job platform where we do 30 second elevator pitches and the purpose and 60 second video is demonstrating people's skills. How important do you think it is for video for people to be able to showcase their skills and talent, particularly for employers as they're hiring people? Because, you know, you've you've been in a position where you've hired people. How important do you think it is to be able to see a video of somebody demonstrating their work before you bring them in for an interview? Dude, the concept you have got of doing that is genius. It's incredibly valuable because I look at it, I, you know, when I saw this, I looked at it from a standpoint of an employer because that's what I do. And, you know, anybody can put anything on a resume. Anybody can put anything on, on a job application. But to be able to see a video of somebody actually performing the skills they say they can do, that's kind of a game changer. I can say I can do a lot of things. I can say I can yeah. weld, but if you watch me and I can't weld, well, then then that changes it. But if I can see a video that, that demonstrates the top three skills that this person says that they know how to do and that they're proficient at, it becomes kind of a no-brainer for me, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. No, I agree. And, and the reason behind it, you know, and, and I've always talked to business owners and hiring managers, and that's one of the problems they've said, you know, what appears on paper is not what actually comes in the door sometimes. What people put down, you know, it, it's happened to all of us. You know, I've hired people for my business and they, yeah, I can do this. And then you, you hire them and then all of a sudden they're like, well... Well, you know, <laughs> so so I believe I, I have a term I use. We have we're a show me economy. At the end of the day, most people just want to know that you can do the work, that you have the capabilities, and that you're willing and will do the work. And so I feel like video is a good proof to back up what you've written, and that that's why the platform enables job seekers to do that. You know, you have held leadership positions in your career. What advice would you give to experienced professionals? to build their careers and increase their earning potential? You know, it honestly, from my standpoint, it's a stupid, simple concept. Provide value. Now, what that means, and everybody tells you, you know, you work harder and work longer and get these certifications and get the educations and the specialties and all of that. And that's all great as long as it provides value. But if at the end of the day, your value is hard work and long hours or a paper with a certificate or degree, I got to ask, what is that value? I mean, does it inherently make the company more profitable? So I guess, you know, provide value and, and maybe that, you know, to break that down, it, it's think bigger, think more holistically, understand what people need, and then just provide that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think people make it too hard. 
No, I agree. I agree. I have a sales background. And one of the things that, you know, leadership, people in sales leadership have said is deliver results. People understand that, hey, you sold X number of dollars passed over the quota. That's value now because that's gravy. You, we wanted you to sell this. We wanted you to sell, say, a million. You sold 1.5 million. So you added half a million dollars in value or you took some work off your manager's plate by learning a different skill set and being able to do something that made their lives easier. So I always feel like that's how I define value. And um, I think sometimes it might be a little harder in the trades to define it. I'm sure you can define it by, you know, what is the work that people are doing above and beyond. In sales, it's a little bit easier. We know that if you've sold more, you've provided more value. So I'm always curious when I talk to people in the trades, you know, what is that value? What does that look like? Well, and, and in the trades, it, it is measurable. It's it's efficiency. It's it's getting more work done in less hours. It's uh, less waste on your material. It's it's more efficient material handling. It's finding a better way. You know, the construction is inherently dangerous because there's a lot of people on a construction site and that makes it dangerous. If you can if you can take some of that work and do it in the shop, prefabricate it and then ship it to the job site, you just took a lot of man hours off the physical job and you made it safer. You put your guys in a better environment which might be heated or air conditioned or at least not out in the rain or whatever. And you've you've been able to do a lot of that work off site and then it just comes to the job and you put it in place and and it makes a safer, faster, more efficient environment for everyone. So yes, it, it, in sense. the trades, it can happen easily. Definitely. I also think you have to have analytical skills. Like you have to be somebody who is a thinking person because that's not something just the average regular person just does. <laughs> you know? Right. It's the think bigger, right? Yes. Yes. Makes perfect sense. Definitely. Final question. Please share one lesson you've learned from your parent or mentor that is still important and relevant to you today? So I learned from a gentleman, I knew a gentleman who grew up very, very poor. He worked really hard his whole life. He saved money. He planned for his retirement. He was going to travel the world when he retired. And that was his dream. And he sacrificed many, many things along the way in his life to get there. But he died three years before retirement due to cancer. So... What I would say is my, my lesson for people is absolutely plan for tomorrow, but live for today. You know, do what you want to do today. Plan to die broke. You can't take it with you. So don't, don't, don't plan to die a millionaire. You know, take those vacations, buy the boat, eat the cake, whatever. Be responsible, but live your life today. Live it now because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring if there even is one for you. Solid advice. I agree. I agree. I agree. Nick, thank you so much for being a guest on Skill Stadium. Please share how people can find you. Actually, you can you can uh, find the website for working class at uh, working-class.org and uh, you can, you know, see the shows at Jewel TV Network and you can like I say you can just Honestly, because of today's technology, the easiest way is to download the Jewel TV app to your phone. You can do it on your TV and stuff, but I know more people probably watch TV on their phones, so uh, that's probably the better way to do it. Definitely. Nick, thank you again so much for being a guest. Continued success, and thank you again. You have a wonderful evening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me aboard. My pleasure. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.